0: Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky.
1: And welcome everybody to another amazing day here on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Hopefully you're surviving the cold Mageddon, the snow mageddon that we're going through here in central Kentucky. I know Iowa had their Iowa caucuses and I don't normally talk about national politics, but I think there's something worth bringing into our conversation about something going on with a so-called politician here in Kentucky. You see, it doesn't really matter who you support for president, uh, individually, uh, to what I'm saying here. What matters most is that you do not support Nikki Haley. Why? Cause Nikki Haley is absolutely awful and does not represent the base of Republican voters. That's quite obvious when you look at her performance overall. She is quite clearly the quote-unquote anti-Trump, anti-everything Trump's about, and yet you can see how she's performing. But I bring that up because uh, the other day, I don't only listen to conservative talk shows. I don't only listen to conservative news. No, I actually listen to a myriad of different sources. And I was listening to, it it was the first time I had ever almost called into a radio station because it was a supposed centrist group that was saying, "Why is it Nikki Haley?" This was their question. They wanted people to call in on why isn't Nikki Haley uh, getting more traction because she's Trump without the baggage. That was their assertion. They believed that Nikki Haley was Trump without the baggage. Because clearly, these people are completely out of touch with who Republicans and conservatives really are and paying attention to it. Because the most important thing to understand, the reason why people maybe you support, well, Vivek has dropped out or Ron DeSantis or uh, uh, Trump. One thing they all have in common, at least in their rhetoric, is that they realize the feeling of the nation. That is something Nikki Haley just doesn't get. She uh, mit- tries to middle the road every single social issue there is while adopting a typical war hawk neocon standpoint when it comes with never-ending wars. We have an immigration problem, we have a spending problem here in Kentucky, and it not in just Kentucky in the country. And it would seem that when you hear Nikki Haley talk about it, she has no idea that that's going on and certainly doesn't have the wherewithal to address it. But that's what we look for now. That's what we as Republicans, we as conservatives who are making up the Republican base, that's what we want to see. We want to see people who understand exactly where we are right now in this country. And I bring that up because there's a politician here in Kentucky who quite literally is unable to understand this himself. Uh, And I'm, of course, talking about Michael Adams. Now, we know Michael Adams is going to be trying to make a run for governor here soon. Uh, He's certainly making a lot of posturing on it. But recently, Senator Schickle filed Senate Bill 61. I've talked about it before on the show. You may remember it. And what it's doing is seeking to eliminate the three days of no excuse, early in-person absentee voting, a mouthful made up because early voting is unconstitutional. Now, Perhaps you're somebody who supports early voting. And if that's the case, then great, good for you. That's not what this is as much about. But it is important to note that that is, based upon the Constitution, unconstitutional. Like I said, I did a show about this. I dug into it before. We don't really need to keep going down the road. So, Michael Adams, though, and this is my point as far as being completely out of touch with the Republican base and why that spells defeat for people in the primary, and you hope to see Michael Adams go down in a huge defeat when he tries to make that run for governor here in four years. Because let me show you what he tweeted out. He tweeted out on Martin Luther King Day, picture of of course, Martin Luther King, saying the last thing we should do as we celebrate Dr. Martin Luther King Jr's day is to retreat on the voting rights he fought so hard for. That's why I'm working against Senate Bill 61, which would cut access to the polls by 75%. I have no idea. (laughs) Cut access, I guess. (laughs) Okay, so this is his math here. Okay. So I I just really realized as I was reading through that cut access to the polls by 75%. It objectively won it. Okay. So what he's talking about is, is there's, he is equating the no excuse absentee early in-person voting to be the same as election day which is the entire problem so he's saying you have four days to vote in person and show up and vote so by cutting those three days away you're reducing it by 75 percent. though completely ignoring the fact that one if you're looking at access to the polls technically that is no excuse absentee voting that isn't on election day so truthfully you would have to lump in those three days with all the other absentee voting access, and it doesn't nearly make up 75%, but also when you just talk about peer percentages that people vote, you saw, I believe, right around about 20% of people that voted, uh, uh, that voted in person voted early for the 2023 elections. So that's not 75 percent 75 percent of voters aren't voting on the three early days. so that makes no sense. but here's the other point. when he's roping this in with MLK day and using that talking point, he's using the language of the left. and this is something we have got to stop doing as Republicans, as conservatives. This is something we've got to demand. You see it at the national level all the time. You see Nancy Mace, uh, she went on this tirade where it's, oh, you go girl, whatever, where she started talking about white privilege and as a woman, like cut out the identity politics. Stop talking about it and stop running with their uh, talking points. You know, Nikki Haley, when she, the minute Nikki Haley roll, rolled out her campaign, she rolled it out. I knew I would never support her. Why? Because her entire campaign video throughout several times, she mentions the fact that she's a woman. And personally, that kind of identity politics malarkey is the opposite of what I want from conservatives that I'm going to vote for. That's not what I want to see. That's not what you should want to see either. But here we see Michael Adams playing the exact same thing because as doing this as an MLK day and referencing Martin Luther King, he is implying What he is saying is that Senate Bill 61, he's working against it because uh, uh, that is the same as the voting rights that Dr. Martin Luther King pushed forward. Voting rights specifically for minorities. Michael Adams has said in this tweet is that he believes Senate Bill 61 is racist, making some weird connection. That somehow being against early in-person voting means you're racist. Like I said, that could be something you're for. That's fine. That's your opinion. I don't really have, honestly, I don't have a strong necessarily opinion on early voting and and what have you. As a candidate, I have some opinions, right? Don't like it because it extends that election time and it goes into spending access and, and things like that strategy. But besides that, besides that, okay? Even if you don't have a strong opinion, to equate that, uh, you know, Senator Schickle by putting forward Senate Bill 61 here in Kentucky, is somehow, is somehow acting in a racist manner is absolutely and completely ridiculous. And it's using that same identity politics, talking points that we see on the far left. Listen, Michael Adams, you have an R next to your name. They will never support you just like they will never support nikki haley it doesn't matter how quote unquote moderate or how much she plays into their games it doesn't matter they will never support you get it through your thick skull it's not going to happen it's not going to happen i know you look at these last election results and you say look at me i did so much better you got three percent more than a guy who ran on the entire platform of Stop Biden, save Kentucky. Jonathan Schell. You got three percentage points more. That's it. Three percentage points more. And that's who you're selling out to. But maybe this is how you always felt or believed. And I know a big part of it is, is that Michael Adams is very proud of himself for those accomplishments. We know uh, on the campaign trail during the primary, I heard him talk about him all the time. He was very excited about the fact that they added in this early voting and he should be rewarded by it. And by Republicans saying this is a bad thing, and now makes him look bad, something he doesn't want as he's trying to make that run for governor. Well, coming up after this, we're going to take a look at some of, the, um, some of the economic incentives that some of the giveaways our states did over the past uh, year and see if we can find any rhyme or reason. I'll give you a hint. There's not, uh, but we'll have more after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Cooper Writer Show. If you want to reach out to the show, feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that is info at theandrewshow.com. with the Andrew Cooperwriter show, your source for Kentucky politics. Uh, before the break, I'd mentioned we'd be taking a good look at some of these um, incentive packages that Kentucky has handed out in 2023. I think it's worth going through and taking a look to see exactly what our state has been prioritizing to see what's going on. So first off, this is all subsidies that are tracked Uh, for 2020 through from Good Jobs First. It's a website that tracks these kinds of things. So we're going to take the top 12, which all are over a million dollars in value, a subsidy each that has been given out here in Kentucky over the last year. And first we have JDG, Triangle Partners, LLC. You'll you'll notice, you may know that, that is the infamous Louisville One Park development. Mm -hmm. Uh, The city of Louisville gave them $114,209,532 awarded to um, JDG Triangle Partners, Uh, but they also asked for money from the state as well. We'll get into that here in a second. So what this is, it's One Park Plaza, which is a mixed-use project in Louisville uh, that will have uh, hotels, a grocery store, commercial spaces, 700 apartments. Basically, it's a giant project bringing housing, uh, hotels, grocery store, and commercial space. Now, of course, uh, it is required that they set aside at least 5 to 10% of affordable rental housing as well. But they haven't just asked for money from there, the the local government there. They also ask for 148 million in subsidies from the state, a mega deal. Which, if the state does go ahead and give that to them, you're now looking at right around a 250 million dollar project. 250 million dollars from the state. And for some reason we have budget session coming up that's why i'm bringing this up now we've got the budget set to drop any day now and so it's worth looking at what are they putting aside for these subsidies what are they prioritizing as we take a glance at these types of projects and this is it 250 million is what they have the potential to bring in they've already got 114 million for apartments hotel grocery store and a commercial space in louisville because Louisville apparently is running short on apartments, hotels, grocery stores in a commercial space. Apparently. Now, last I checked, there was plenty of vacant buildings in Louisville, plenty of opportunities to put this together. But of course, there is no idea that this, this entire idea is, is focused upon the fact that we have to have economic development, ignoring the fact that what is killing your economic development in Louisville is nothing to do with the fact that you're not handing out $250 million and and bringing in these kinds of projects isn't going to turn it around because businesses are leaving because Louisville has become a crime-ridden wasteland. And businesses are leaving because who wants to do business in a place where you're constantly stolen from, where you've got to deal with homeless on the street all the time, where you've got to deal with high crime, carjackings, those types of things. Nobody wants to do business there, and that's why businesses are leaving. Giving $250 million to a private company ain't going to fix that. Spending $250 million maybe on enforcing the darn law in your city, that might go a long way. Next, we have Continental Mixers Greenberg LLC getting 8.5 million to bring in 100 jobs into Todd County, a county with a current unemployment rate of just 3.6 percent, or about 175 total unemployed people, which currently has more job openings than people looking for jobs. But at a cost of 85k per job, the expected average pays 29 an hour, right around about 60k. A year, so we end up we've given them now a year and a half worth of payroll for free. They say, Andrew, that's a tax subsidy though. They wouldn't have it without the business there. To which I say, Oh, contraire! See, a lot of these are done as far as employment tax rebates, saying, Hey, you, you go ahead, you employ these people, you put this in place, we'll give you a tax rebate on the people you hired. Now, if you actually had large amounts of unemployment in an area, you'd say, Look that is not money we would have brought in anyways, because we have no employers. But when you do have employers in an area, you're not looking at it as, oh, I'm just giving them a tax incentive of 8.5 million. No, you're now saying I'm taking money because we don't have unemployed people. So naturally people will be leaving their jobs to go work these jobs. You're gonna see mom and pop businesses go up because of that. And yes, you will increase possibly the amount they're paid per hour. So you will see a bit of an increase there, but you will not see a total like, oh, we just didn't have this revenue before. That isn't the case. That just isn't the case. But of course, that doesn't stop the state from calling these things investments. Next, we have Denso Air Systems Michigan Incorporated, clearly not a Kentucky company, as a $4 million in subsidy, but I tell you what, they're getting a raw deal here because they're bringing in 141 jobs compared to the 100 jobs of Continental Mixer. 50% more jobs almost, but yet they only got half the subsidy, less than half the subsidy. What a cruel, cruel world we live in. But maybe it's because they're only paying $19 an hour on average. Maybe that's why they didn't get such a sizable subsidy such as Continental Mixers, but Got word for you, Shelltech, which is going to Jefferson County, Louisville, obviously an area known for its lack of economic development as it struggles with its massive 3.4% unemployment and double the job openings of people looking for work. However, really, Shelltech is just getting the shaft here. Yes, you may be saying, wow, it'd be great. I would love to get $3.5 million, which is what they're getting mm-hmm. in a tax subsidy as a private employer. But really, really, you're looking at this as, as your cup's empty and you're looking at the cup next to you. You need to pay attention to the fact that their cup compared to the cup next to them, much lower, comparatively speaking, because they're getting 3.5 million, but they're bringing in 350 jobs at 31 an hour. Kind of doesn't make sense here, right? It's what's, how's this measuring out? But we continue. NeoGen got 3 million for going to Rowan County less still per job than um continental mixers got neogen uh that that was who got three million uh lumi sustainable materials got three million for going to taylor county kentucky 29th street property management is getting 2.5 million dollars for bringing a 153 million dollar project to marion county supposedly so they're either building an apartment complex with that's you know 153 million dollars in lebanon kentucky i mean are you you trying to put the entire town in there or is this somehow involved with the distillery being built by pernod ricard in (laughs) marion kentucky but ricard has already gotten a subsidy so why is this additional company then getting a subsidy? I mean, isn't the entire point, isn't the entire argument that we give these business subsidies because they then bring in auxiliary businesses that then we can generate more revenues on? Green River Distilling Company, 2.5 million for project in Carroll County. Highlands Diversified Services Incorporated, getting 1.5 million in Russell County. Trader Joe's grocery store is getting $1.4 million to build a grocery store in Jefferson County. Now, this isn't the distribution center that's in Franklin, Kentucky, because, well, this is in, of course, Jefferson County. And the company, and, and what the company has said they're projected to spend on this, isn't even close to what a giant distribution center would be. So clearly, this is just a grocery store for Louisville, which is odd. Because clearly, the, the the reason why they'd be throwing out these subsidies is because they claim in Louisville, there are things called food deserts, which I don't know exactly what that means. Because, you know, I used to own a restaurant in Wilmore, Kentucky. And Wilmore, Kentucky, if the IGA there goes out of business, is a lot more of a quote-unquote food desert. It's about a 20-minute drive there, a 15-minute drive there, 20 20, to 15-minute drive to the closest Kroger down on Harrodsburg Road uh, when compared to um, the IGA, which is right there in the center of town. Now, a lot of people still travel to the Kroger, but that's besides the point. The point is, is that that is pseudo a food desert, certainly for people who are elderly, because also they don't have a public transportation system that runs them to the Kroger. But in Louisville, there is a public transportation system that runs you to the Kroger. There is also, I mean, I'm sorry, I I don't know if there's a part of Louisville that is traveling 20 minutes to a Kroger in their car, traveling 20 minutes to Kroger. I I don't think it exists. So this idea of food deserts is kind of crazy, but the the inclination when they're talking about these food deserts is that they're in minority communities or low-income communities, to which I ask the question, why are we giving them a Trader Joe's then? It's not exactly like Trader Joe's is known for the great deals at bottom dollar prices. Trader Joe's is a pretty fancy grocery store. Not exactly the best way to save money. So what is the actual benefit to the community of Jefferson County of Louisville to bring a Trader Joe's in? If you say, well, there's a food desert. Well, the same people who can't afford a car to drive the 15, 20 minutes to the Kroger and are complaining about it aren't going to be able to afford the Trader Joe's. And if it is because you just want a Trader Joe's in an area because you're you're gentrifying it, what have you, they don't need tax incentive for that. They're a high-end grocery store. But regardless, they're still getting $1.4 million in lawful. And, you know, you got to wonder, too, as they talk about grocery stores leaving in Louisville, they're getting public things like that. But as grocery stores are leaving Louisville, we've seen some Walgreens, others pack up and leave. It's once again what I hit upon earlier, the reason why you have to spend potentially 250 million of taxpayer funds on a development project. It's because it is a wasteland of crime, wasteland of crime. But we're not done. We've got a few other ones to cover. Uh, we'll be going over that after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Cooperator Show, your source for Kentucky politics. you want to reach out to the show, feel free to email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that is info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you after this short break. And you are back with the Andrew cooper Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Before the break, we we're going over the subsidies that the state of Kentucky, as well as local governments, have handed out over the last year. The top 12, all of them over $1 million. We are talking about Louisville giving one point, not Louisville, but the state of Kentucky giving $1.4 million for Trader Joe's in Louisville. Next we got Lakeshore that's an education supply company getting 1.2 billion to go ahead and go to Boone County uh, Kentucky. I wonder though apparently they already have a facility in Henderson um, so I wonder how that affects that hopefully we're not doing a classic uh, Robin Peter to pay Paul type you know situation where Henderson ends up paying and meanwhile we gave them tax dollars to do it. Um, Let's see the leader, which appears to be a movie, which is getting a one point one million five hundred or one point one million dollar incentive. That for in this movie, the leader, they say that the production budget on it is right about three million. So one point one five million for a three million dollar film. Funded by taxpayers, that's nice. We're literally giving them an incentive that, according to them, is one third of their entire budget, one third of an entire movie's budget. Do you think we're going to get one third of those profits, assuming there are any? I don't. I don't think so. Uh, then you've got. SITEX, uh, SITEX, S-I-T-E-X Corporation, getting $1 million in Scott County, which is odd because SITEX mm-hmm. is a uniform manufacturer and a, a building supply company like toilet paper, paper towels, soap, those kinds of things. Um, not a uniform manufacturer, a uniform care like Centos. So they clearly want to be near Toyota and the industry is going around Toyota. And I mean, over time, over time, the state of Kentucky local, And uh, a statewide has given Toyota $2.3 billion total subsidies from state and local governments in Kentucky, $2.3 billion. And so you, they say, look, we give those subs- subsidies to Toyota in order to keep them here, but also the ancillary jobs they create, the suppliers, the, the people who are giving them things. We want to make sure we're getting those as well, and we don't got to give them subsidies, but here we are giving SITEX, if that's how you say their name, S-I-T-E-X, a, a, a million dollars to go to Scott County. Near Toyota, where they probably would have already gone without the million dollars because all the industry's there. I mean, here's my point, okay? This is my overall point through going through this. There is no rhyme or reason here. Most of these places are not experiencing massive unemployment issues. I mean, other than perhaps there's ones in Western Kentucky near the Tennessee border. So, Possibly you can make an argument that you can pull workers from Tennessee to drive across the border into Kentucky and now you're generating revenue from not even citizens of your state. So it's helping your bottom line. That that could be an argument, but I'm unclear on how most of this is an investment even slightly. I mean, there is no like industrial link as far as industry. They are all over the place. It's hotels, distillers, it's uh, car manufacturers, uniform suppliers, education company. It is all over the place. So there's no rhyme or reason or plan to the industry to get to a point. If you say, well, we're going to invest, we're going to hand out some subsidies to these industries to build them up here in Kentucky. And then we won't have to hand out subsidies to get all the other businesses in that industry because they will want to be, be here at the center of where this industry is happening. You can make that argument and say that's our economic plan, but there is no plan. They may claim, they go out here and they claim, we have an economic development plan, but they're lying to us. They may have one wrote down on paper and they may come out there and go, blah, 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 here's the plan. We're going to get jobs here and jobs here and jobs here. But in practice, it seems like what they're doing, not just seems like, it is what they're doing. They're just throwing darts at a board. They'll take whatever comes along that they can broker a deal with. It doesn't matter it seems to not matter where it is what they're doing how many jobs they're doing how many anything else it's simply they look at the bottom line they look at the businesses asking and they see if they can do it and they don't care there is no formula put in place a formula at least at least then we have something where you say here's our formula we'll offer this much subsidy to this much payroll being generated or this much in revenue being generated or whatever it may be, or maybe it's a combination, whichever one is weighted differently. But there' a formula of this, and then if we go outside that formula, here's the reasons why, and then make it very public. Because at least if you are gonna call an investment, and I hate calling it investment because tax dollars are not yours to invest, but at least if you're gonna sit there and say that these are an investment, quote unquote, then show us how this will pay off, but they never show us the work because they don't want us to know, most likely. That's why. They don't want us to know quite clearly. And that's my point. That's why I want to bring up the 12 highest ones. They have no plan. They're just spending your money willy-nilly, and it's never been more obvious. All right, got house build 243. Interesting builds being put forward by Amy Neighbors and co-sponsored by Stephanie Dietz, I do believe. And what this would do would allow child support when the child is a fetus in the womb. Now there's, there's some arguments for why this is a good idea and some arguments for why I have some questions here. Okay. So let's uh, rewind a little bit here. Why? Let me, let me tell you why this is a good idea. One, it acknowledges that you have life in the womb, not just after birth. And it acknowledges that that is a separate entity and a separate person that has rights. Because the reasons why we charge quote unquote child support when a person is is alive, is born and under 18 is because we're saying, look, you have a right to be taken care of by your parents. And so on that side of things, it makes a lot of sense because the pro-life argument is you have a right to be alive. Therefore, you have a right to be taken care of and not murdered in the womb. So, it makes a lot of sense that you would sit there and say, well, we're going to go ahead and allow child support to be charged while in the womb. Now, here's the negative side of things, okay? So, recently, Kentucky has taken a move towards uh, 50-50 shared parenting. Now, I have to be quite honest. Uh, this is quite, this, this, in my opinion, should be the go-to situation. I'm not going to pretend like every single mother and father is always going to stay together. That's just not the case. But, In those situations where they break apart, the presumption should be 50-50 parenting. Why? Because we have seen what happens to kids that don't have a mother and a father who are active in their lives. Fatherless homes, especially in low-income households, have done more to continue that trend than any other factor has. A greater uh, uh, indicator of a person's success as an adult is whether or not they had two parents growing up. And so if we're establishing early on while the child's in the womb, hey, you're nothing more than a paycheck, you could see that being pushed off. Because in a 50-50 shared parenting system, well, what you would want to see then would be, well, there wouldn't be child support. Your ETH each if you have the child half the time, you both have the child half the time, you both are taking care naturally of half the bills. Yes, you may be paying for childcare on your time, food on your time, housing on your time, and then the same vice versa. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, there's no good reason why you need to have a child support in a 5050 situation unless I mean, there's just not a good reason why, unless you're saying that somehow one parent has to pay for the other parent's personal choices. And the way I wish child support was handled was too, they just said, here's the amount we think it costs a month to raise a child. Let's say it's, I don't know, let's say it's um, $1,000 a month. And so if you don't see your kid at all, no matter the amount of money you make, because it doesn't matter, if you don't see your kid at all, you're going to pay $500. If you see your kid 20% of the time, well then we take the overall amount uh that we say it'll cost 1000, cut that in half, so that's now 500 each. You still see them 20% of the time, so we'll take 30% then or or take take that pro rata away and now the amount of child support you pay has been reduced based upon the amount of time you spend there. That should be the way you do it. But I'm worried that this is is going to have some more issues. So we'll we'll dig into this a little bit more after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooperator Show, your source for Kentucky politics. We'll see you here very shortly. We'll continue this discussion.
0: Conservative, constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky.
1: And you're back with the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Before the break, we were talking about House Bill 243, which would allow child support while a child is still in the womb. We were saying the positive sides of it. We're acknowledging that a child in the womb is just as valuable as a born child, a truly pro-life position. And we're acknowledging that there are expenses that exist while pregnant and that a father and mother both should be taking a role in handling those expenses. But we're also talking about the negative side of things that when our our current status here, we're talking about how fatherless homes lead to so many issues. And so moving towards, and, and our state has moved towards a 50-50 presumptive sharing where outside of extenuating circumstances like abuse, drugs, those kinds of things, the presumption going into court instead of it being father gets a child every other weekends, like it used to be, it's now 50-50 split time, which is, I think, good because obviously I'm a man and I'm a father, but it creates a um, culture of saying that fathers are important too. And like I said, fatherless homes are a big problem. They just are a big problem. Okay. So how do you deal this though? When a child is in the womb, are you saying that, uh, you only get child support for those nine months? And then we go into the 50, 50 shared parenting because moving into 50, 50 shared parenting, if it's actually 50, 50, well, there shouldn't be child support. There shouldn't be. I know in some situations there are. I'm very aware that there are things like if there's a huge income disparity, the one parent will have to pay the other parent child support because they make so much more, even though it's a 50 50 shared, which I understand the thought process behind it, but also understand like, why is one parent being punished? Because they're making different decisions with their lives than others right? That that shouldn't be, you shouldn't be paying for the choices of somebody else that you have no control over and that you aren't in a relationship with anymore, but besides the point. So you start to run into some issues with that that I think would give us some pause. I think it would. Now, <coughs> switching gears completely here. Aliens. <laughs> okay. Aliens. All right. I don't care if you believe in aliens or not believe in aliens, but recently Visit Lex took it upon themselves um, to go ahead and make a uh, decision for us using taxpayer funds, at least in part. I'll go over that in a second to go ahead and, um, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and play this video because they decided that they wanted to be uh, to take forward to encourage to encourage extraterrestrial life to visit kentucky Uh, let's listen this is about two minute little video let's take a listen here
0: this is the first time that we as a species have ever sent out a travel ad inviting aliens to come visit lexington kentucky just beamed the world's first interstellar travel ad into outer space with the help of local scientists and scholars, VisitLex lex created an advertising campaign designed to invite extraterrestrials to visit Lexington. Using a modified laser, the message was aimed at the TRAPPIST-1 star system, 40 light-years away.
1: We're targeting the TRAPPIST-1 system because we might actually get an answer in somebody's lifetime if there's somebody there watching. But the reason uh, scientists have been interested in it lately is because of a large number of planets that it has and what is considered to be the habitable zone. So there could be life there. Why not send a signal and see if they answer?
0: The message contains a bitmap key with prime numbers, the elements of life, molecules for water, ethanol and dopamine, plus horses and Lexington's iconic bluegrass landscape. The message also contained a collection of images representing Lexington. A selfie from the transmission event. And an audio recording from local blues legend, T.D. Young. Of all of the things that we've been beaming into space, why not a positive, friendly message? I think saying, hey, we're nice and friendly people we have horses and bourbon and dopamine Um, don't eat us. We have
1: this neat hub of creativity. It's just people who get to have the freedom to think
0: a little bit differently. It does seem as if it's this place that is very welcoming. Here's our chance to really demonstrate that we are a beautiful culture, a beautiful community, and that we want to share that with the galaxy, that we're the best place on Earth. The message was sent with FAA approval from the Kentucky Horse Park. So far, no unusual activity has been reported in the skies above Lexington, but we'll be waiting. So there you have it. The
1: uh, visit Lex has taken upon themselves without asking. I wasn't asked. I don't remember if you were asked to spend our tax dollars to invite aliens specifically to come to Kentucky, and they're playing it real fast and loose here. You know, actually, the the guy you heard in the middle, Dr. Robert Loder, he's actually a friend of mine, <laughs> um, and I know him pretty well. But <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, Dr. Loder, you're playing it real, real fast and loose here, okay? We're making a lot of assumptions. Now, if you just want to send them a message saying, look, we're friendly, Don't don't kill us, don't invade, okay? So let's say you believe in aliens, okay? Let's say you do believe in aliens, all right? You're playing it fast and loose. i mean it's it's you want to send a message that says don't kill us that's one thing you're sending a message that says we have horses and bourbon how do you know they aren't a hay-based life form and they're definitely afraid of horses and decide they need to destroy our planet you know you're sending them about horses and bourbon gambling and alcohol What if they're an organization that says, look, we don't believe in gambling and we don't believe in alcohol as a whole. We've exterminated that from our world. We're hearing that apparently this whole world is filled with it over here. So we need to destroy it. And while I enjoy local jazz legends music, perhaps they don't. And you're sending this to them saying, hey, here we are. Here's what we're about. We're letting you know what we're about. Uh, Come visit us, assuming they don't come here and just kill us all. That's a rather big assumption. And I feel like we should have been asked. Here's the second thing, okay? Apparently, we just have the tax dollars for that. I don't know how much exactly was spent on this. Visit Lex is funded, though, through taxpayer incentives, um, through taxes. And with state and local taxes, both, they get things from the state as well. And we're, we, we apparently have the money to be spending it on advertising to outer space to visit. Yeah, I, I thought these tourism dollars were about getting a return on your investment. This is a pretty big long shot too, because one, here's the other thing, you're assuming they show up with a currency that's of value to us. If they show up with some currency that to them has value, but to us has no value, how, how are we going to return our investment there compared to if we, you know, obviously spend that money advertising to, uh, you know, Americans, or at least people who live on this planet that understand what the U.S. dollar is. Well, if they show up and spend that money, well, you know, we can actually get a return on our investment then. And that's assuming that aliens exist. If you think aliens don't exist, what a giant waste of all of our dollars. What a giant waste seems like a real big problem and listen to, to to what that one lady said we have dopamine that's what she's talking about saying hey we've got bourbon and horses and dopamine that's what she said which is of course is the chemical that releases in us to tell us we're having a good time what if these things eat dopamine what if that's a what if that's a, a hard to come by substance in their lives and so you know they're constantly sad and they get dopamine by harvesting it from others and you just said that. you just let them know hey we've got it in in plentiful here Come harvest us. I think my point's made there. Don't believe in aliens. Clearly, clearly a waste. Could have been spending it on a lot better things. I think we should all be able to agree on that. I I, I think we should be. And that's where, you know, going back to these incentives I talked about earlier. And like I said, this is obviously um, kind of a crazier situation, spending money talking to aliens. But There is no economic plan here. (laughs) I think this just reinforces that, that our state and local governments have no plan. They're just spending our money willy-nilly. They sit there and say, look, we're we're going to go ahead and we're investing. We're going to invest into our futures. We're investing for economic stability. And they promise you that these are economic plans and that the geniuses are at work here coming up with where our dollars should be spent. But I think if anything, the no rhyme or reason in the incentive packages, the no, what's the rhyme and reason between sending, having the tourism bureau send off a message to outer space. You know, I'll leave you to making your own conclusions, but I think we're just led by a bunch of people who have no plan. Well, y'all that's what we got time for today on the Andrew Cooper show. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. We'll see you back here tomorrow, 9 a.m. on WZXI, 1 o'clock everywhere else. Mm -hmm. Want to reach out to the show? Make sure you email info at theandrewshow.com. Make sure you're sharing this with others. Have a great rest of your day.